the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. October 31st, 2022. I am Seth Leibson. The phone number is 602-508-0960. If you'd like to weigh in. I was reading an interesting poll and story about the poll over at Issues and Insights. It was about how divided Americans are. And truthfully, for years, I've ignored these stories and these polls for two reasons, really. Reason one, I never thought it was that big of a deal. James Madison predicted it. It's why we have more than one party in America. And I've always thought with Irving Kristol that the first rule of politics is that others won't always agree with you, at least in a free society. A second reason was because I noted those who most lamented our divide were not conservatives. They tended to be liberals. And it always concerned me that their concept of being more united was not about amicability and respect for each other's opinions, but rather a call to get everyone to one side. Theirs. That's one way to achieve unity. That's their way. Never did a liberal who lamented the divide in America say something like, so maybe we should look a little more seriously at the conservatives' point of view or their cause or their platform. It was always more like, how can people think that way, meaning conservative, and how do we get them to join our side? How do we get them to be embarrassed to be conservatives? How do we shame that movement so much so that we will have unity with one party, uniparty control. The latter concern is what has come to us in full force now. The, the political left could not leave the cultural institutions alone. They could not leave politics at the schoolhouse door, and they could not leave politics outside the churches and synagogues. Movies and television shows were once pro-America, not pro-American Democrat or pro-American Republican, just acknowledging here and there where the script took you there or when it took you there. That America was the good guys and the USSR were the bad guys and those who fought in World War II on our side were heroes. That all started to change after Reagan left office in the late 1980s. At the universities and colleges, the precursors to wokeness and diversity, equity and inclusion were planted with the seeds of the notion of consciousness raising and political correctness and phrases that seem so antiqu antiquated now, including the trifecta of lower consciousness darkness. Concerns over the trifecta were race, class, and sex, which in those days simply meant sexism. The raising of the consciousness task back then was to ensure equal treatment for all, to root out prejudice. I always thought that the biggest social engines standing in the way of all that were race and gender quotas in the name of affirmative action because, silly me... I thought the quest for equality was to get beyond thinking of people as racial or sexual creatures, which is to say, I always thought the best way to think of people was the exact opposite of the ways people used to treat them with the greatest of inhumanities. That is, to think 
like Marxists and Nazis, that race or sex or gender or religion or ethnicity dictated thought. So I always thought the best way to get past race, for example, was to get past race. Stop using it. Stop using it as an indicator of belief as much as behavior. That, to me, was always Third Reich stuff. The notion that there are lower and higher forms of being based on genetic code and that brains mattered less than blood. Anyway, the quest for equality had to perforce change, or at least that quest for equality did because of our wedding to those race and gender considerations and everything from employment to education, which helps explain why the word equality disappeared and the word equity replaced it. It turned justice into something whose aim was neutrality to something more, much more like revenge. And instead of another badge of equality, speech and debate, free speech and debate, where everyone was entitled to a position of thought open to conversion as it was tempered in the fires of argument, especially on these very issues, instead of all that, Consensus was no longer the issue. Agreement and toleration based on reasonable discussion and conclusion, no longer the desiderata, but rather presumed a priori outcomes, as if the debate was settled and settled only in one direction. So conservative professors or teachers or teachers with conservative leanings or inclinations were considered in the way, and then the left overs were denounced as bigots or Neanderthals or worse. Scholars writing against the liberal left tide, whether black or white or something else, whether Clarence Thomas or Robert Bork, whether Shelby Steele or George Will, whether Thomas Sowell or Milton Friedman, whether Larry Elder or Dennis Prager, they all had to be swept away. They all had to go. The Augean stables had to be cleansed and the way had to be cleared of them. The way to do that was to marginalize and stigmatize them. I think the first time I heard the phrase politically incorrect was in the late 1980s and used against Shelby Steele. But as Peggy Noonan once put it, conservatives knew a few things that the culture of politics kept trying to prove otherwise. What they knew was they weren't dumb and they weren't Nazis. But do consider an interesting corollary. If thinkers considered conservative were basing their works on the best traditions of America and the best statements and writings of the founders, then, of course, it was those traditions and those statements and writings that had to be attacked, denounced, marginalized. Try it this way. A scholar has an interesting position. We'll call him letter A. It's based on B, a founding document, piece of writing or philosophy. But we disagree with what A is saying, so we must illegitimize him. But when A points to B as his source in justification, as a defendant may point to a law to justify his actions, it is B, the source, the law, that must then be attacked. Which is but one way you get a changed date of our founding from 1776 to 1619. And pretty soon... The ethic of the open mind, the ethos of consent of the governed coming from the tempering of ideas and arguments based on models of the open society and open debate, was curtailed and curtailed and curtailed. So when I refer to Thomas Jefferson's first inaugural, I often quote the line of his, quote, every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. We have called by different names brethren of the same principle. 
We are all Republicans. We are all Federalists, close quote. In other words, we are all American with different points of view. When I quote that, I tend to get blank stares. I get blank stares because we haven't thought about those distinctions for a long time. And we haven't thought about those distinctions for a long time because we no longer debate opinions. The left marginalized and solidified what was supposed to be the consensus on major themes. And we now very much do debate principles, not opinions. We are divided, it seems to me, because the left very nearly has won or won over elite and respectable political and cultural opinion as default on issues that used to be freely and fairly debated and thought to be open to controversy. The left's notion of unity or unification or lack of division thus came to mean acceptance or enforcement of their point of view, not ease and calm over politics and policies changing here and there based on debatable propositions. To the left, there are no more debatable propositions. That's their version of the Hegelian notion of the end of history, the notion that World history is progressive and leads to ever-evolving standards of advancement, culminating in something like utopia, or at least an achievement of ultimate settled reality. But the problem is inherent that humans do not work that way, not sentient or as sentient thinking rational beings. Abraham Lincoln put it well when he put it this way, quote, Repeal the Missouri Compromise. Repeal all compromises. Repeal the Declaration of Independence. Repeal all past history. You still cannot repeal human nature. Close quote. But still, the regular means of politics would prove insufficient to the authoritarian or totalitarian instinct or certitude of absolute rightness. You will recall Judge Learned Hand's statement that the spirit of liberty is the spirit that is not too sure that it is right. Thus, open societies would always nurture freedom of conscience and freedom of thought or debate and speech. Today's left has no such antagonizing or agonizing certitudes. Their certitudes are their certainty. And debate and questioning only gets in the way. So uniting the country was soon not to become about respecting one another and one another's opinions and differences, satisfied that we are all Americans and mean for the best for each other with different ways of getting there, but rather getting everyone to believe the same thing. One might say it was enforced unification of consent rather than consent arrived at by choice and reflection of the governed and the satisfaction that those choices and consent would change from time to time, as in the phrase an emerging consensus. Do you remember that phrase? You don't hear it anymore. In January of 2021, Joe Biden delivered his inaugural speech, twice repeating that he stood for unity. He went on to say, quote, bringing America together, uniting our people and uniting our nation. I ask every American to join me in this cause, uniting to fight the common foes we face, anger, resentment, hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, hopelessness, close quote. Two years prior, in November, Joe Biden pledged, quote, to be a president who seeks not to divide but to unify, who doesn't see red states and blue states, only sees the United States, close quote. And about a year or so before that, he spoke at John McCain's memorial, lamenting the days that Republicans and Democrats couldn't get together and be friends anymore like they used to. Well, 
A year later, after Joe Biden's inaugural, he was screaming that Republicans are the party of Jefferson Davis, the party of Bull Connor, and the party of George Wallace. A half a year after that, he was saying Republicans are the party of semi-fascists. And his DNC chairman was saying that Republican Party was a party of fear and fascism. Katie Hobbs, here, I remind, called ours the party of white nationalists and supremacists. If parents wanted a say in their child's school's curriculum as taxpayers supporting the schools, as parents caring about their children, and it ran against the grain of enforced pedagogy and culture, the FBI would have no problem intimidating those parents in the name of preserving the state as well as the state of thinking because unity or unification meant we all had to have the same view and that view had to be the most progressive one available. Besides which, the cultural institution of the school is how we create generational reinforcement of right think or correct think. Same for opposition to sexualized texts and reading books. Same for the opposition to show who really is in charge and in control during COVID. No dissent would be tolerated or brooked. We would never call it totalitarianism. We would call it pro-science and our opposition anti-science or science denial. So much the better to show anti-intellectualism and lower forms of thinking. Not with it. Not sophisticated. Not enlightened. Not of a higher consciousness. But whatever euphemism you want to attach it to, it's all the same thing. A totalitarianist instinct or disposition. How else does one get away with saying the things Joe Biden and other Democrats say, either about only one party denying election results as legitimate or illegitimate or pasting labels of the dregs of the Democratic Party's past, Davis, Connor, Wallace, Jim Crow, onto Republicans? Either Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have a different dictionary than we all do or see things through lenses that refract their images as opposites, upside down and inside out. Or he simply cannot be believed or trusted. If he told you it was raining, you would want to look outside to independently verify it. If he speaks of his virtue at your dining room table, you will want to count the spoons before he leaves. So these polls on unity and being united or disunited leave me a bit cold and fearful, especially as the unifying force found in the best of our history and founding has been blown out. For example, follow me here. If you want to know why it's not racist to invoke Martin Luther King, excuse me, if you want to know why it is now racist to invoke Martin Luther King Jr.'s notion of colorblindness and getting beyond race in order to get beyond race, and why Ibrahim Kendi's position that we must racially discriminate to get beyond discrimination is the new convention that it is, it's this reason. If you read any civil rights speech or sermon of Martin Luther King's, they're based on two things theology and Americans founding documents. In other words, King and his ethic was to unite all Americans towards his cause by something we could all share and unify around our country and sometimes our shared faiths. King was that A. The American historical record was the B. Well, the B has been smashed. The founding is no good. 1776 freedom equality is out. And 1619, slavery, misery is in. The goodness of America was converted into the evilness of it. If you want to know why we are divided more than ever, this is why. We've smashed the bottle. And you can't put a genie back into a bottle that is smashed.
And if you want to know why so many leading Democrats from Hillary Clinton to Jimmy Carter to Nancy Pelosi say that if you vote for Republicans, you are threatening or voting to threaten democracy, this is why. Their version of United or United America is to coerce, party purge, and manufacture complete consent. The definition of all that used to have a name. It used to have a word. Illiberal. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth, 602-508-0960 is our number. I want to spend some time talking also about a piece in the Atlantic Monthly. Uh, You may have seen it on social media. It's making the rounds. It was written by a uh, professor of economics at Brown uh, Brown University. It's uh, it's titled Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. And then the subtitle is we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about covid. This is such an interesting piece and an interesting take. I kind of was surprised it took this long to come out, but I got to tell you, I'm also surprised at the level of arrogance and irrigation that this professor has um, asking for a pandemic amnesty, forgiving one another for what we did and said we were in the dark. I'll go through it with you more in a little bit, but just off the top of my head, um, there were, I suppose, several sides to all of this. But at the end of the day, there were kind of um, if, if if you're going to look at the biggest parts of the Venn circles, the biggest parts were those that were in panic, end of the world as we know it mode. And those who were much more stoic about it, saying in all our losing, let's not lose our heads. Um, I think I'm right about that. Yeah, there was some overlap in the Vens, you bet, but those were basically the two sides. One side claimed the authority of science, and one side claimed the authority of common sense and different scientists. Um, The first side denied common sense and denied the right of those different scientists to air their views. We were called science deniers. We were censored. We were shamed. Now, before I go too much further into it and get too much further into it, think about what the two sides said and did about the other. If you were in the second side, the common sense, let's not lose our heads side of it, what was the worst thing you said or did? Well, the worst thing you said or did was want to send your kids to school or maybe go open up your restaurant or business or go to work again or take a mask off. Or not be forced into being vaccinated against your will to go to work. That's 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 what one side was doing. Why 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 do you need amnesty from that? What's if we're going to declare a pandemic amnesty? I can see why really it only goes in one direction. It's forgiving the first group, forgiving the shamers, forgiving the paranoiacs. The other side, there's not much amnesty they need to seek. I'll tell you what she says about it in a few moments. 
Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He joins us for our culture and economy update every day. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com, has his own radio show right here on 960 AM every Saturday morning. It's called The Word on Wealth every Saturday morning at 7 AM. Hi, John. How are you, sir? Very good. A little earlier in the day than your show. A little earlier, um, but um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that, except we're both morning guys. I am, yes. So if you ever, you know, if you ever wanted to do a really early or an overnight show with me together. Yeah, overnight, I don't know. That'd be a tough one for me. I'm I'm an (laughs) early to bed, early to rise type of a guy. Yeah, yeah, you sleep better than I. You're more at ease with the world than I am. (laughs) Tell me, uh, tell me what, uh, no, that's good. That's what you want in a financial advisor. (laughs) No, it is. It is. It's what you want. I'm just a positive person you know yes that. you there's are always, the most positive person there's I know. always a, a rainbow somewhere yes there is the and you the always tunnel. seem to see oh, it somewhere and you find the pot of gold <laughs> at the base of it too. there you go that's yeah. what i was thinking all right let me ask you this uh kind of an interesting day on stocks the wall street journal is saying uh that this was a historic mo- moment for i guess the dow mm-hmm. um yeah. talk to me about that then i want to talk to you a little bit about some other stuff coming down sure. the pike this week yeah we had so for the month of october happy halloween by the way to you and all the listeners out there uh the markets uh, this month in october uh had a wonderful actually, actually rally and we've been talking about this how i've been saying it's you know that the markets may be oversold and we may start to see a little bit of a rally we've been talking about that for weeks but the dow is up almost 14% just in the month of october uh, which is a, a, a history, you know, breaking number. And the last time we saw something like that was back in 1976. So uh, quite a number of years ago. Also, we had the Nasdaq up about, uh, I think it was about four percent. The S&P up about eight percent for the month. So it was good month for stocks. If you were holding your portfolio, and uh, you didn't uh, sell and put everything into cash, you did take advantage of a nice little run here. Is that going to continue? I don't know, but at least uh, there's some. Some other positive news coming out of the markets as well. Yeah, talk, talk to me about some of it. One of one of the things that I suppose is not on the upswing on the positive is what home builders are looking at, right? Yeah, the home builders are struggling right now, and that's obviously something we've also talked about briefly yeah. uh, over the past couple of weeks. And that's really because of the higher interest rates, mm-hmm. and it's causing a little bit of a challenge for many people. Uh, for two reasons. One, people are nervous about that, the higher interest rates that they're paying. They're not used to that. They're used to basically 2 2.5%, 3% interest rates for a mortgage, now looking between 6 and 7%. Uh, and housing starts, it says, for single-family homes uh, dropped 19% year over year in the mm. month of September, and mm. this is according to the U.S. Census uh, building permits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also stating uh, a number of different um, builders, Pulte Group, saying that uh, they're uh, and they're the largest home builder, said yep. that their cancellation rate jumped from 15% in the second quarter of the year now to 24% in the third quarter mm-hmm. of the year. So, mm-hmm. And they believe that that trend may still continue through the end of the year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. But this just really means that we're still going to have a housing shortage, Seth, if, if uh, new homes are not going to be built. Uh, they're probably still going to continue to be a housing shortage. Yeah, I imagine that's right, and I imagine some of it will have to do with everything you said, but also employment and employees, mm-hmm. right? We're going to yeah. get a 
Labor Department uh, report tomorrow, I believe, right. on hirings and quittings and layoffs. Right. And I right. think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be a little lower than what well, at least this administration would have hoped for going into the election week. I, yeah. I, and I as a, you know, as a small business owner myself, yep. Seth, it's, it's still difficult out there when we're looking for employees. I know my wife was looking for uh, up in Prescott at her at her gift store up there looking for employees. And we're running ads, doing all the you know bigger things to get people to call and try to see if we can get someone for uh, to work. But it's been a real challenge, uh, just you know like any other company out there. Um, they're all got the help wanted signs up, yeah. but people aren't necessarily responding to that. So it's still a challenge, even though you're right, uh, unemployment is still relatively low. And we're going to get those numbers uh, as they come out uh, coming up here, and we'll get to see what is happening based on what the Fed is doing yeah. uh, with interest rates and trying to slow this uh, economy down a bit so that we can get inflation under control. But uh, the, it's a real challenge out there for small business right now, no matter what direction you're coming, paying higher interest rates on their loans or trying to have to uh, pay more money for their employees to get good employees. Gotcha, John. Thank yeah. you, sir. Well, we'll see more tomorrow, and we'll analyze it yeah. then, don't, too. Thank you, brother. Don't eat too much candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't eat too much. <laughs> Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and SIPC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. What, what's the candy you and the missus uh, hand out most of? What's the what's well, the Well, you know, we candy? buy the variety packs. You, you do know? the variety Yeah, and packs. we give a little of every. get a little love for everybody. So. I go old school. I, I, I teach the kids the old verities. I'm giving out Abba Zabba bars. Abba, wow. Okay. Yeah, probably haven't seen those. I haven't. It's been a long, long time. We're bringing all the old <laughs> stuff back. All right, JD, until tomorrow. God bless you. God bless. Bye bye. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson, 602 Be right back. Back to the Seth Liebson show. If you are concerned about stock market, I have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the market. I don't have it. My friends, why refi have it? It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly, and there are no fees. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. And by investing with Y-Refi, you are doing well by doing good for others. Check them out. They're a local company. You can meet with them. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. And as I say, you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, 10.25%. InvestYRefi.com. Let them know I sent you. Lisa's in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, um, I remember reading a study a while ago about patients who were taken to the emergency room who had catastrophic um, injuries, and what they found was that most of them had minor problems like lacerations, small lacerations, all sewed up beautifully. But the point is, they died. They did have those smaller things done. 
So what we're talking about now is Paul Pelosi. We're talking about differences between the parties. We're talking about a lot of different things, but nobody is talking about the diesel um, fuel reserve. There's just 45 days or 40 days of that. And so what happens when you don't have diesel? The country's going to die because trucks deliver medications. They deliver food. They deliver everything in our society. I don't understand why nobody's talking about this diesel. We're not making it. We're not buying it. What does everybody think is going to happen? Well, I think you do probably know why we're not talking about it. I mean, and by we, not you and me. We've had a few callers on it. I've done a few stories on it, uh, and you can find them. But you probably know why it's not major news. It's not major news because it's negative and uh, unhelpful to the administration, which is heading into an election in a week and a day. And it is uh, much more beneficial to the Democratic Party, for which the mainstream media and the massive media and corporate media is wedded to and is the spokesman for. Uh, Why would it be in their interest to highlight a story that shines a negative light on their party going into an election? Isn't that pretty much the answer? The Republicans, the ads don't say anything about that. They focus on the border. They focus on kind of things that you don't really see. Well, they talk about it. Every ad I've seen, no, that's not right. I'll correct that statement. Not every ad, but a lot of the ads I've seen do talk about uh, energy independence. I don't think I've had a Republican candidate on the show that hasn't talked about it. I don't think I've had a conservative analyst on our issues or politics um, including the political pollsters and, 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 and consultants I've had on that don't talk about uh, having the problems of having moved off of energy independence. So I, I, I think it's there. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's a couple of things. The diesel story hit, became attention, it came to our attention uh, maybe about a month ago, maybe about a, the diesel part of the of the regular energy problem and the fuel problem in America. Oh, there was probably a little here and there before that, but it really kind of started getting into the into the um, into the conservative media uh, or the alternative media, places like the New York Post and the Federalist and the Washington Free Beacon and talk radio about a month ago. And, um, you know, political campaign ads probably stopped being made about a month ago. Um, All the ad time was bought. All the ads were pretty much in the can. So much so, I'm willing to be corrected on this uh, if if, if anyone thinks I'm wrong. But so much so that at this point, um, even if you wanted to try and get a new ad up on TV, it would be very hard to produce and do it. It takes a it takes a, a bit of lead time, but you know I'm not going to blame the Republican candidates for talking about energy independence versus energy dependence uh, merely because uh, because it ignored the diesel part of the regular ethanol problem. I um I I I Lisa I I am with you. This is a huge deal. I think this Democratic Party is lost at sea. I agree with you. They are throwing breads and circuses and distractions our way. I have no 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 blinders on about that whatsoever. I just I just don't. Go ahead. You know I love Carrie Lake because she holds an emergency news conference 
to say, um, whatever, Kathy, Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs is lying. She holds an emergency news conference. So the Republicans need to hold emergency news conferences. But the Democrats are going to destroy this country just with diesel fuel crisis. Because if the trucks don't go, you're not getting anything. When you say energy independence and dependence, what does the common person think of about that? Oh, my price of gas is going high. But they don't think about diesel, not no trucks delivering anything. Take a step back with me, Lisa, because I'm not arguing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I am just trying to think as a political consultant. Take a step back with me if you're a Republican running for office and you're trying to um, energize your base and you're trying to highlight the problems of the Democratic Party to the independents. You're trying to hi- you're trying to attract independents by highlighting the problems of the Democratic Party. Um you think about what's immediately in front of you, don't you? Um, you think immediately about things like the crime issue. Um, you think immediately about the major crises that are present and ongoing. And try and convince them on that when you have a very short window, when you know the media will only cover some of what you say and probably distort it. It's hard in a political campaign. It's just hard in a political campaign to convince people to vote to convince people to vote for you on something that hasn't happened yet it's politically hard i think we're asking too much of politics to deal with future problems yes it's around the corner you're absolutely right but you're talking about crime you talk about drugs you talk about illegal immigration you talk about high gas prices you talk about inflation all of that is here and now it's just as a political matter in answering your question why aren't they doing more on it as a political strategy, it's much easier to get eyeballs and ear and ears, eyeballs and ears on the problem you're facing now rather than trying to convince people of a problem that hasn't happened yet, though we know it's coming. That's the answer. I think I'm willing to be corrected. Thanks, Lisa. 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Andy is in Phoenix. Hello, Andy. Andy, are you there? Hello? Andy, are you there? Yeah. Uh, Hi. So, Seth, I was pulling out my ballot. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. And uh, whether uh, they don't show a party, I don't really honestly know much about them. Is there any way you could give some uh, pointers or uh, do you have a list of uh, I'm perfectly content to vote the way you will. Oh, okay. you're a sweetheart. So, <laughs> you're very yeah. kind. You're very kind. Well, I've given a couple of um, I've given a couple of uh, addresses on the show about that, Andy. Thank you. I um I I'm I'm not voting for. Let me let me put it this way: I'm not voting for anyone with a D, and I've given a couple monologues on that. I I this is. This is no more uh, a Democratic Party that recommends itself to looking at the person versus the party. Um, It is a party that endows and is steeped in socialism. When it comes to nonpartisan races, um, take a look at some of the voter guides out there. Um, I'll tell you, the AZGOP has done a great job, if you go to their website, on, um, 
Uh, it's called The Golden Ticket. AZGOP, get it online, The Golden Ticket. It, they've done a really laborious job of of working out what district you're in and what's on, what's going to be in front of you based on your district. Um, I can tell you, I'm just trying to think of the nonpartisan races off the top of my head. I have endorsed Sam Stone for city council heartily. I have uh, endorsed Corey Mishkin and Shelby Duplice for uh, Water District. Um, let's see. The propositions, I think they do a great job at the Arizona GOP Golden Ticket site, so I'll leave it to them on those. Um, on judges, I simply uh, don't vote for judges I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about them. Um, there are two I know of that I highly do recommend and support. One is the retention of Bill Montgomery. The other is Judge Herod. Um, the others, I don't know enough about them, uh, so I just don't cast a vote on them. I also am not in love with the idea of voting on retaining judges. I don't love it, but I know that judges like them are targeted unfairly, and uh, besides which, I just know them well. It just happened to, and uh, they are good. So I would vote to retain those. As far as anything else that's out there that's not considered partisan, I'm not sure what it would be, but feel free to email me. You can get my email uh, easily enough at 960thepatriot.com. I try to respond to almost everything that comes in if I can. I certainly read everything that comes in. Thank you, Andy. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960, We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.